Hey, Sober Girls. Every life choice you make has an impact, and some choices are just easier than others. An easy choice for me has been adding Exact Nature CBD into my daily routine. Exact Nature's products can help curb cravings while promoting the positive changes in mood, focus, and my favorite, sleep. These are all part of getting and staying sober. They're available in oils, soft gels, and gummies, and in varying strengths and formulas. What I love most about Exact Nature is I know the quality is top tier and safe because their products are made by people in recovery for people in recovery. Go to exactnature.com to get 20% off your order. Use code SOBERGIRL20 at checkout. Being positive is a choice. Exact Nature just makes it easier. Welcome to a Sober Girl's Guide podcast, a lifestyle podcast based on sobriety and recovery. I'm your host and sober girl, Jessica Jabot. Inspired by my own sobriety and wellness journey, I want to spread the wealth of knowledge. Tune in each week for uncensored conversations about mental health, self-development, wellness and spirituality, and how they influence each guest's unique recovery journey. My goal is to educate and inspire and to let you know you are not alone on your recovery journey. Thanks so much for tuning in to a Sober Girls Guide podcast. Let's go. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 174 of a Sober Girls Guide podcast. On today's episode, we are shaking things up a little bit. When my good friend and colleague, Jill from Sober Powered, called me and said, Oh my gosh, we have the same family dynamics and are our dad's brothers? I knew we had to have a more in-depth conversation about childhood and how these family and generational traumas affect who you are, your habits, your patterns in your adult life, and how they affect your coping mechanisms and what you reach for, how you soothe this pain and this hurt that uh, happens over you know years and years of generational trauma passed down from your grandparents to your parents to you to down to your children we need to talk about this and so this episode we go there we go into it we go into how our childhoods formed and shaped the women we are then, I guess, are before sobriety selves and how we have moved past this and how we are currently and how we have overcome these traumas and generational traumas and patterns and habits because that's what they are. They're habits. They're repetitions that we have learned and continue to do on autopilot. This is such a fantastic episode, so let's get into it. At A Sober Girl's Guide, we got your back, and so does Exact Nature. Their safe, all-natural, CBD-based products are specially formulated to help you face the unique challenges of getting and staying sober. Whether it's curbing those cravings, wrangling in those changes in moods, or helping you get a better night's sleep. To learn more about their products and commitment to helping you in your recovery, visit exactnature.com. 
What I love about Exact Nature is they are produced and formulated by people who are in recovery themselves. It is 100% safe and natural to your recovery journey. Head to exactnature.com and use discount code SOBERGIRL20 for 20% off your order. Jill, what is going on? I'm so excited that we're doing this. Um, Yeah, when we were texting about this over the weekend and like, oh, it was just, it was such a fun conversation. And then when you're like, we need to do this for real. I've been excited about it for days. Yeah. And it's nice. Thanks for reaching out because, you know, that, I guess that episode, my last podcast episode was kind of like, you know what? It was a fuck it episode. It was like, you know, I'm just going to let this all kind of hang out a little behind the scenes, um, uncensored. And it was really cool to have you, like obviously a friend and, and colleague, reach out and be like, whoa, I feel the same way that that happened to me too. My dad was like that too. My family dynamic, like, yes, I felt that, that way too. And I'm like, whoa, that's really cool. That's, thanks for sharing. That's awesome. Let's talk more about it. Because I'm sure if you feel that way, you know, other people definitely feel that way. and. I think we should preface this conversation by saying this isn't a um, a blame game kind of conversation. This isn't like, oh, let's gang up on our parents because they're the ones that fucked us up. Um, that's not the point of this at all. No one's right. No one's wrong. No one's good. No one's bad. You know, I, I truly believe that everyone here is you know, trying to, in the, in the state of self-preservation, right? We're trying to do what keeps us safe. We're trying to do what protects us. Um, and unfortunately, those actions, you know, can be positive or negatively um, interpreted. And that's just kind of here what we're here to talk about and how they affect us and, you know, how it also affects our relationship to alcohol. Um, and so I guess starting with that, Jill, I, I want to know what your relationship was like with your parents. We, we, we've done, we've done the backstory of Jill and how awesome she is and her, her booze free journey is in, in another episode. So please look for, for that episode. Um, I think it was maybe four or five months ago. Um, but this, this is a deeper conversation. This is like the next level. This is like, this is like real sobriety when shit gets real, when you've been sober long enough and you're like, oh, I can't ignore that anymore. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) So Jill, can you tell me what your kind of dynamic, your family dynamic was like growing up? Yeah. So on the outside, we just looked like this perfect family, you know, Mm. like my the mom and the dad and the sister and the brother, like this, we had a, a nice house. We lived on a nice street. We went to decent schools and we just yeah. looked like a nice little family. Yeah. Um, but inside the house, yeah. there was a lot of unhappiness. Um, mm. I used to really like idolize my dad. I think all little kids do. And then eventually like you switch to mom and then maybe you switch back to dad. But when I was little, like I thought my dad was 
the man. I thought he was the best. I always wanted to play with him and hang out with him. And then I realized like around when I was 10, I started to realize like that my parents' marriage wasn't that good. Uh, What was the first clue? Do you remember? Oh, I don't remember. Um, There was just this like very unhappy vibe Mm -hmm. in my house. There was an unhappy vibe. Um, I probably saw like my friends' parents and how they interacted with each other. Mm-hmm. And then I compared that to how my parents interacted with each other. Um, yep. Dead giveaway. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, my my dad eventually would like move down into the basement, which is like a huge giveaway. <laughs> if he doesn't even sleep upstairs. Yep. My dad moved to the garage. Yep. Yeah, yep. that's how you really know. Um, and that yeah. was always like, my brother and I on? talk about that sometimes. And it's hard, like when you have friends over or like some like your boyfriend or girlfriend comes over and then your dad like goes down to the basement. To go yeah. To sleep. Yeah. It's it's awkward. It's uncomfortable and it doesn't feel like normal. Yeah. Yeah. And f- there was a lot of fighting and um, mm-hmm. it was just like not not the best place to be. Um, I used to have these recurring nightmares as I got older. I was probably like 13 or 14. Um, I used to have these recurring nightmares that my dad was cheating on my mom with like someone very specific, the woman that cut his hair. I was just like convinced that they were having an affair. And I had this dream so many times. And I used to tell my mom like, is dad having an affair with like, you know, this lady? Um, yeah. And I used to always like dream about that and think like, try to figure out what was going on. And yeah, yeah, it was rough. Um, and then I really, was he, he was having an affair, but I don't think with her. (laughs) Okay. I'm like, this isn't a dream. This is like a premonition. I really believed that it was, I don't, it's never been confirmed. I don't know if that woman specifically, but he was, he was pretty awful to my poor mom. Mm. And um, yeah, he wasn't, he wasn't a good husband. He wasn't a good dad, but yeah, I don't know about her specifically, but I had that dream for years, like from probably from like 13 or 14, like all through high school, I kept having this dream. (laughs) Wow. That's wild. I mean, you weren't far off if he was like, like, you know, unfaithful. Yeah, it makes sense. Right. Your subconscious is telling you. Yeah. I knew that something was wrong and I was just trying to figure it out. You know, we always want to understand. Yeah. Like, like, why are things this way? What's going on? A lot of kids will blame themselves. Mm -hmm. I never did that actually. Um, So in your past episode, when you said that you like used to tell your mom you wanted your parents to get divorced, like I really resonated with that because that was me. I used to say all the time, like, just leave him and and like try to convince my mom. Like I I never turned it inward. I never said like it was my fault or anything like that. Yeah. Why why do you think that is? I don't know. Um I think because I was very observant. I was the oldest kid too. Same. And I was just very observant. I knew that like he wasn't 
I didn't, I didn't idolize him anymore. Like I, I grew to really like strongly dislike him yeah. and I didn't see him as this like perfect dad anymore. So I think that's why it was mm. like my, my brother, he still wanted both parents to love him. And like, yeah. I kind of stopped caring about like whether my dad loved me or not. <laughs> so I think it was that. No, I like, totally I get it. Same. Yeah. Like I wasn't seeking, seeking his love or approval anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you, he's come off the pedestal. Yes. Right. That. Yeah. Yeah. Same. And, you know, I think I, I completely agree with you. Um, even just ob- like observing behavior. I'm like, this is not right behavior. Like this is not even like how I want to be as an adult. I'm like, okay. Eventually I was like, this is what not to do as an adult. (laughs) Like that is like, I don't want to make people feel like that around me. Like my dad was just a very angry guy. Everyone walked on eggshells. There was just like tension. Right. And you can go two ways with that feeling, right. You can either be the type of person who's like, okay, this is about me. Like maybe he's mad at me. How do I like make him happy? How do I appease him? How do I get that validation from him? And I feel like everyone kind of goes through that phase, but then you get to a point where you're like, actually, fuck you. Like, actually, this is really childish behavior. I don't like the person that you are. This is not okay with me. Like, I actually don't care what you're doing anymore. And like that, that is a powerful place to be, but also like really sad, (laughs) especially if it's your dad. Yeah, Yeah. it is. And it's like, we're a family, like we should all kind of be a team, but there were like two teams. There was team mom and team dad and I'm team mom, you know? So if you're not on team mom, then I'm (laughs) going to defend her. Yes. Yeah, because if you're not with them, you're against them, essentially. Yeah, like stop being mean to my mom. And that's yep. I think that's kind of how I how I broke that pedestal thing that you were just saying. Like yeah. I kept feeling like, why are you being mean to my mom? Like, leave my mom alone. She's so nice. Like totally. Oh my gosh. Like, absolutely. I I, I agree with you. Like, my mom is so fun and like always in a good mood and that just like pissed my dad off all the time (laughs) because he just wasn't like it was like a dark cloud and like the sun (laughs) like oh whoops (laughs) um so what did that look like when you kind of transitioned to team mom then like how did that affect your relationship with your dad it was really awkward um yeah as we got older like team mom would hang out and watch TV at night. Like my mom and I used to watch soap operas together every day. Yeah. And like my brother would hang out with us and like my dad would just kind of do his own thing. Um, So there was like two distinct groups in the house. Like we weren't like sometimes we would do things together as a family, but it was like awkward and it kind of felt forced. It was more fun like when he would go to the gym at night or something. Yeah. Which he did often. And then like me, my mom and my brother would just have like the best time and we would be silly and we would have fun. And like, you know, my mom was, 
more comfortable and like calm and and then you know he would come home and we'd all like kind of do our <laughs> do our usual dance um mm-hmm. yeah it just made it so it was awkward in the house i think that's the best there were just two two groups of people yeah i mean looking back at it i kind of feel i feel like a little bit sad for my dad cuz like yeah. he kind of was the outcast of like the yep. family but I guess to like he kind of put himself there. Right? Yeah. So when I mean there's a, there's a term it's called emotional un, emotionally immature um parents and I mean people it's just like people in general can be emotionally immature or emotionally unavailable. Um there's a really fantastic book that I love and I read like whenever I need a little top up. Um it's it's mainly dealing with emotionally unavailable parents and it's I think it's actually called like how to survive emotionally unavailable parents but it can be applied to like any relationships in your life but essentially it sounds like both our dads are and you know to this day probably pretty emotionally unavailable and immature and that is what happens when you don't have those that emotional capability to express yourself or express your feelings or, and even for yourself, not even like to your family members, like to even understand your emotions yourself first, primary, um, you get either angry or upset about them and you drive people away. I've done it. I've, I might continue to do it sometimes uh, to no fault of my own, but like it's that it's a learned behavior, you know, watching your parents be emotionally immature. Um, So yeah, it's, it's, it's sad that our, our dads act that way, but it's also not, not our job to like fix them and help them because I don't think they'd even want it if we offered. (laughs) Yeah, good point. Um, I have a story that might not Mm. be super relevant, but I feel like it kind of sums up what I was talking about, about teams and how our dads like did it to themselves. Yeah. Um, My dad was always very materialistic and like, right. This is why I texted you. I'm like, well, because it's easy. Yeah, it, all these like traits of like emotionally immature people are so common because they they like they they reach for the lowest hanging fruit. Because when you don't have like the emotional capacity, you're just like, okay, let's just like reach for alcohol, let's reach for like fancy shiny things, let's reach for like our phone or like a nice country club to distract us. So sorry, go on. I didn't yeah, mean to interrupt yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So stuff. Yeah, was like really critical for him. Um, Any kind of stuff. And sometimes things would break or things would not work. Mm -hmm. And that was like, you wanted to just run away and hide and like never come back. Um, Like it happened once when I was a teen and like I actually like was so upset I had to like drive away. Thankfully, I had my own car. Um, But when I was a kid, my something would happen, something would break or something wouldn't be working. And my dad like had to know who did it. 
He had to know. And he would walk around like yelling. There's only three people in this house. But there were four. So he would say there's only three people in this house. And that really like represents like there's three people on team mom and then there's you. And so now like we all meet my mom and my brother, like we all laugh and like say it to each other. Like there's only three people. (laughs) But he had to know like who broke the thing. Like cats would, I always had cats and like a cat would throw up or something and he'd get so upset. Like the, it's a cat that it got sick. Like, yeah. And I remember like when I moved Don't in, take it personally, aunt, like and they didn't do it to you, you know, they got sick. <laughs> but when I moved in with my husband, I expected this kind of behavior. I expected mm-hmm. um, just guys to get mad. And my cat doesn't oh. throw up that often, but she came into our room once at like three o'clock in the morning yeah. and just like unloaded in in the bedroom and I was scared I wasn't scared for myself I was scared he was gonna get mad at my cat and oh that's from like all of this conditioning and my husband was so so nice to this cat um and he Mm. like eventually broke that for me but I just believed like you get mad at people when they break things or like you know when Mm -hmm. when a kid or an animal like gets sick like it's it's a thing Um, So I think that's like the perfect example of the teams and then like the tension that we always felt like, oh, my God, if something broke, we would always try to hide it or like fix it or so he didn't find out and like flip out at us. Totally. Oh, my. Are do we have the same dad? I feel like we're sisters. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That like. I feel the exact same way. I don't like date or have relationships with men. And this is not the reason why I have like most of my friends are men, but I always expect them eventually sometime when they don't get what they want or something doesn't work out that they're going to get mad at me. Yep. And like, it's your fault. It's my fault. They're going to yell. They're going to like scream that I'm, I'm the one to blame. I'm the the cause of their anger because they don't get what they want. Yep. And I I feel the exact same way you did. Like, oh my God, what if something goes wrong? What if something breaks? My dad was the exact same, same way. Like someone stepped, there was like a footprint or like a very faint footprint in like the new concrete, he was like a freaking private detective out there. <laughs> he got everyone's shoes. No, no, it was psycho. <laughs> like he got everyone's shoes, lined them up, lined them up with the footprint. My dad would do one that. Of the, it was one of the workers. It wasn't us. We were at school. We were at school the whole day. He had all of our shoes lined up. He didn't have his shoes, though. Yeah, there's only three people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Didn't have his shoes. And nope. he, was, he was the only one home. But it's not, not him. him. Never. 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 <laughs> never. God forbid. My but dad I, would so do that. Yeah. But it, it's just this, I think, you know, I, I want to talk about 
alcoholism and addiction and, and how this kind of plays out, you know, later in our lives or, or how this affects us, you know, our, our family dynamic and how we grow up and the people we grow up around, they affect you. They just do. It's, it's, it's common knowledge. It's, you can say like, no, I wasn't affected by my parents or I or overcome it. Great. But you even overcoming it, you did that for a reason, right? Like you survived it for a reason because you were exposed to this certain behavior, right? Like I said in, in the podcast, you know, I was in survival mode most of my early teen, like up until now life. And it was for a reason because no one was there. Everyone was preoccupied with other shit, um, which I'm really glad that I'm an independent woman. Here we go. Um, but, you know, you, you, you deal with these certain things in your life for a reason. You go through these things for a reason because it's passed down because our dads didn't just come out of their womb like this screaming and yelling and holding people's shoes up to concrete stamps like... <laughs> They didn't getting mad at cats, right? <laughs> getting really mad at puking cats. Um, <laughs> they didn't, right? They learned this from their parents and their dynamic, and their parents learned it from their parents. So this, you know, when we talk about generational trauma, I know that's like a, a key, hot, trendy word, but that that's what it looks like, right? It these these little things that don't really seem super significant. They seem pretty run of the mill, but they compound and they affect and they keep it going. They keep, keep the lineage going there. So I want to talk about, um, I guess, addiction. And do you believe that it is a genetic disease or do you, do you think it's more of a, I guess, behavioral kind of conditioning I think we can all agree that anxiety is so 2023. Say peace out to anxiety and overwhelm with chill vibe gummies. Made with ashwagandha root, L-theanine, GABA, chamomile flower, and lemon balm, these gluten-free, vegan, non-GMO gummies are the perfect way to change your vibe naturally, and most importantly, safely. Whenever I tried medication for my anxiety, I was always hit with extreme side effects that made me feel paranoid or just completely numbed of all emotions, the good and the bad. Chill Vibe Gummies make you feel like you, just minus the anxiety. Go to vibegummies.com to get your gummies today. That's V-I-B-E gummies.com. What are your thoughts there? I think it's... Um, I think both contribute. I don't think like yeah. if you have the genetics, like bam, you're sure addicted to alcohol. I think the genetic part increases the risk mm -hmm. um, that, you know, you can drink very large quantities of alcohol without getting super hungover, like that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, like how good it feels for you. Like, I think that's the genetic component, but I think a lot of it comes from, what we observe growing up, yeah. how our parents model dealing with hard things or dealing with emotions. Mm -hmm. um, if we are ever taught how to deal with emotions, like if you grow up and you don't have any tools, like what are you going to, like what are you supposed to do? So the sure. easy tools are food <laughs> and yeah. alcohol. Yeah. So you're going to just, you learn like almost immediately as soon as you start drinking, you learn that it like 
does something positive. Sure. So if you don't have any tools, why wouldn't you just, you just learn this thing? It works. Why wouldn't you just do that all the time? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like I said, like we all, we get something from drinking. That's why it is so hard to stop or give it up or change your relationship or whatever your goal is, because at some point you are getting something from it. It's doing the job that you wanted to do. It's filling the need or the void that you're looking for. Um, how did your parents handle stress or hard situations? What did that look like growing up for you? Uh, well, my dad would get really mad. Yeah. <laughs> I think that is an obvious one. Yeah. Um, and I think my mom would do two things. I think she would either get really overwhelmed. Yeah. Especially if there was like maybe an emotional trigger behind it. She'd get really overwhelmed, but usually she would just like, you know, grind like, okay, I'm solving it. This I'm doing this, 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 like she was always very resourceful and she would immediately like make a plan. Like, this is how I'm going to deal with it. I'm going to get an, like, if it was financial, I'm going to get another job. And now I'm going to like apply Like she would go into problem solving mode. Um, and then that's where I learned, you know, being super independent and like, how to how to bounce back i think quickly after a setback but i also didn't learn like how to kind of process mm. bad feelings i learned how to like solve problems take care of myself like always fix things but then i i would yeah. have like s- stuff inside that i didn't know what to do with and then i also got really angry too later <laughs> cuz then the other the other half was that yeah. Like huge anger. I didn't get angry like about the things that my dad got angry at, but I was angry like every day. Yeah. Once I kind of started realizing like my dad's not nice to my mom. Once I started realizing that, like I was angry all the time at him. And I just had like this anger all day, every day growing up. And I never learned like what do you what do you do with that? So I just carried it around forever. And then I started drinking and then I didn't make the connection until like a long time later when I got sober. But when I started drinking, (laughs) eh? yeah, it does. (laughs) I stopped being so angry. Uh, It went away. uh, I uh used to have headaches. Like this is, um, I don't know. Same. Yeah. I had like migraine headaches. Every single day from, I think they started when I was like 13 and they stopped when I moved out and I went to neurologists, I got scans, I tried medication. Like I did all these things for these stupid headaches that I had every day. Yeah. And the headache was probably from all the anger that I didn't know what to do with. So then it just like stayed in my body. Yeah. 100% or like being with around all that tension or being like almost suppressed right like I I don't know did you ever like lash out at your dad did you ever like give him a piece of your mind was there any like standing up to him I don't think so I'm trying I feel like there might have been but I really don't think so um he knew that I really didn't like him he knew that he could feel it yeah. But I don't think I ever like, 
Yeah, I think I was like afraid because he always had the power. And this is something that like, mm-hmm. ugh, it's just really ugh, about myself. Like men really have the power to make me cry. And maybe really? that's just a, maybe that's just a woman thing. I don't know. But okay. like when a man is like angry or when a man is like unhappy with me or like has yeah. some bad feedback about me, like yeah. I cry. And I think that was like a big reason that I never tried to stand up for myself because like yeah. I would probably just immediately cry and yeah. like not even be able to do anything anymore because you're just crying. Yes. Each and every person has been touched by recovery, whether it's a partner, son, daughter, best friend, work colleague, or yourself personally. Whatever your reason for recovery is, we are all in this together. At A Sober Girl's Guide, our mission is to build awareness, foster a strong community, and give you the tools to change your relationship with alcohol. Soberlink is a remote alcohol monitoring technology created to help provide accountability for people in recovery. The system includes a high-tech breathalyzer device with facial recognition that allows you to share your sobriety in real time with loved ones who can offer support in the event of a slip-up or relapse. Soberlink has helped hundreds of thousands of people document proof of sobriety in real time to help rebuild that trust and foster peace of mind. Soberlink is currently building a strong community of people in recovery. Get inspired and inspire others today by joining the community at www.soberlink.com forward slash ASGG. I, I don't understand the people who talk and cry at the same time. I can't. I cannot either. (laughs) Like, I would love to master that skill. Like, how do you talk and, like, cry at the same time? Yeah, I cry and I shut down. And I, like, don't want to look at anybody. I don't want anyone to look at me. Yeah. And it's happened, like, throughout my adult life, too. I've had, like, men make me cry. And I hate it. And I wish that I could just, like, (laughs) figure out how to stop it because you want to be able to stand up for yourself yeah, or to course. say like, no, that thing that you just said is not true or like, that's not okay. Like whatever it is, you yeah. want to be able to respond. But when someone says something and then you immediately cry, like you can't. So then it puts yeah. me into this, like avoid kind of people please mode because I know I can't stand up for myself. Damn. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. A common misconception about relationships is that they have to be easy to be right. But sometimes the best ones happen when you put the work in to make them great. Therapy can be a place to work through the challenges you face in all your relationships, whether with your friends, work, your significant other, or most importantly, yourself. My biggest fear is that I was unlovable, that something was just not good enough or deserving of love. My therapist has helped me to see that my thoughts are not necessarily the truth. Therapy has helped me overcome these limiting beliefs that were keeping me in unhealthy patterns in my life. We are our own worst critic, and I love that my therapist reminds me of how far I have come. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out the brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for one or not. 
Visit betterhelp.com slash ASGG today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash ASGG. Yeah. Why do you think, why do you think men have the ability to make you cry? Do you get like flustered or like kind of blindsided? Definitely blindsided. Okay. That's been, that's been a big theme. I think also like fear, because when you're a kid and you have like a really angry parent, yeah, it's scary. Like if your parents like yelling or maybe they're like throwing something or they don't have to be like abusing anybody, but that's scary. scary. Yeah. So you terrifying. Yeah. And then when it happens, when you're an adult, like it kind of sends you back. Mm hmm into that like afraid mode um i don't know it's always plagued me and i hate it because it's happened like as an adult like i said it's happened like career wise a lot and it's just like i hate it so much like i can't even and then when when you're trying to like hold Mm. in the tears you also can't respond no (laughs) no or you're gonna cry yes or like something come like or the message just gets like misconstrued like completely and you're just like damn it like any any which way it ends up being like you can't defend yourself at the end of the day that's how it feels and I think that is I mean it's kind of a, a common theme you know like you're not not having control as a kid you know being around people parents who don't really have control over the, their own emotions and therefore like have no idea how to help their kids or how to even deal with that. And so it becomes a very external thing. Like, okay, with your mom, like, what can I do? What actions can I do to problem solve with our dads? How can we get angry? How can we show that we're displeased or how can we have some kind of release? And that's physical right? For, for our dads. But like, none of our parents sat there and like, okay, like, I'm not feeling very good. Or like, I'm sad right now that no one's is sitting in their emotions. No, I mean, for anyone, I, I would love to hear someone's approach or someone's parents who actually like sit in their emotions because our grandparents didn't do that. Their grandparents didn't do that. It just for years and years and years, Feelings and emotions have gotten a really bad rap. Yeah. And it's passed down over Mm -hmm. and over. And like, you know, we see the things that are passed down to us that we're like, no, we're, this is not continuing. But our parents probably felt that way too about things that were passed and they didn't catch them all, but they probably felt that way too. And they were like, I am not continuing whatever this is. And Yeah. yeah, feeling. And then you think back like, all the way, you know, up your family tree of all the people that had like all these feelings that they didn't know what to do with and sure. And like how that manifests. And you were saying like that we want to control things and the the best way to control how you feel is by drinking. Yep. You can feel happy. You can have fun. Yeah. You can um can not celebrate. feel upset. You can celebrate. Yeah, you can yeah. feel however you want to feel with alcohol. Yeah. 
you can not feel angry. You can take away that anger because I'm sure, you know, anger wasn't viewed as a very positive emotion, right? Yeah. I kind of want to get that one out of there. <laughs> um, so alcohol like can do that for a certain period of time. Yeah. And then it comes back worse. One. And then it comes back tenfold because you don't, <laughs> you don't deal with it. And you're like, oh shit, weird. Why am I like going WWF on everyone's ass? <laughs> <laughs> must need more alcohol. Yep. Must need more. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. I mean, f- like feeling those emotions. I mean, anger for one, I felt that too. Like I was so angry and then I would have family members and especially my mom being like, oh, you're so angry. You're just like your dad. Oh, <laughs> right. And that was like so hurtful because it's also something that I worked so hard not to be. But I'd like, I, I was there, right? And like you were saying, how we work so hard not to like continue these, these family like cycles or patterns, right? And then we wake up and we're like, here we are. <laughs> still the same. So we're still here. It takes a lot of freaking work and it starts with ourselves. Right. So Jill kind of like up into present day, how do you now deal with your feelings and and emotions? It was hard. Um, when I stopped drinking, all the anger came back. Yep. And I didn't know that it would come back. I didn't think I was angry anymore, you know? Right. Um, it just all came back for no reason. Like there was mm. nothing setting off the anger. It was just always there. Yeah. So because I didn't even know what was causing it, I was really struggling to deal with it. So mm. I had to learn like kind of why is this happening? Like I try to go back. Like you have whatever feeling, like you're sad, you're mad you're anxious, you're afraid, whatever. What came like right before when you were still feeling normal? Like I had to learn Uh, the awareness to identify like what's causing these things. Cause if you don't know why you feel a certain way, like how can you feel better if you don't even know why? Like you might know you're mad. Sure. But what makes you mad? Like what like what hurt you? Usually it's someone hurt you or someone like disrespected you. What happened there? So totally. I tried, I learned how to like identify okay. my triggers. Um, yeah. And then you can take steps to like either just avoid them. Sometimes that's possible or like reframe mm-hmm. them or things like that. But if you don't know what it is, it's really hard to deal with it because then you're just yeah. going to go eat a lot of sugar. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or like scroll on your phone for like hours at a time trying to like get some kind of joy or happiness or I don't know, self-diagnosis. <laughs> yep. But yeah, I, I completely agree. And I love how you touched on what is like under anger because ang- anger isn't like the, the, the real solid like iceberg of the emotion, right? Like, you know how an iceberg has the, un- the, the underneath part of the water. Okay. <laughs> really really scientifically like articulating (laughs) that but like beneath the iceberg you know we have what's really going on and it's usually someone hurt you or fear or some 
some kind of deeper emotion than just anger. When you change your relationship with alcohol, you realize you have so many hours in the day. I love to dedicate my time to skincare, and Osea makes me and my skin feel and look like a queen. Osea's clean, vegan, and sustainable body care is a glowing choice for achieving your body care and self-care goals. Whenever I use the Andaria Algae Body Butter, people literally stop me on the street. My skin is flawless and glowing, and I love the thick and unbelievably rich texture that absorbs instantly. Skincare is a habit worth keeping all year round. Osea can help your skin have a healthy glow every day. Because let's be honest, skincare is self-care. With over 27 years of seaweed-infused products, Osea is safe on your skin and the planet. It is clean, vegan, and cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified. Never choose between your values and your best skin. Start the new year fresh with clean, vegan skincare and body care from Osea. Right now, we have a special discount just for our listeners. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code ASGG at OseaMalibu.com. You'll get free samples with every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Head to OseaMalibu.com and use code ASGG for 10% off. What do you think? I mean, let's, let's just go, let's iceberg it. What do you think, where did your anger stem from? Or have you discovered where it really stems from? Uh, I think my anger mostly comes from like low self-worth. Okay. I think it comes from situations that happen that then mean something bad about me. Uh, I think that's where I get it from or feeling out of control, like feeling like, you know, I should have these things or like my life should be going this way, but it's not because, you know, because of my dad, like I'm, Uh, I'm miserable all the time or like, you know, my family is unhappy because of my, like feeling that out of control feeling, I think sets me off, but usually it's because of a self-worth thing because something has happened. Someone has said something Mm -hmm. that means, I don't know, they don't respect me. They don't think I'm smart. Yeah. And then I take all that and I think all these bad things about myself. And then that's when I get really pissed off. (laughs) I can't even picture you getting angry. Well, like, I hold it in and I drink, <laughs> I drink at it or I eat a lot of food or I rant. Like sometimes my husband will be like just lying on the couch chilling mm-hmm. and I'll just be like walking around the living room, like ranting about. <laughs> Can you believe this person did this? And he's yeah. like, I can't. Recently, he's been like, I can believe it because I've heard this story. <laughs> i heard this a lot of times. I can believe it. Yeah, the writing's on the wall. <laughs> oh, my God. That is hilarious. Yeah. So for me, anything that's impacting my self-worth, I can't handle it. Like, it just really sets me off. Yeah. What about you? Yeah. Um... Lately, actually, I've been like pretty solid on the anger front. 
Um, I think there was a lot of things like in the past that I let, I'm like a pressure cooker as Mm -hmm. most people are, right? Like I will take it, I'll take it, I'll take it, I'll take it. And then one thing will be said and I'll just like explode and I will go back like to 1999, August 25th, (laughs) like at 934, like this is what happened and it'll just like come out. Um, And I realized that's pretty unhealthy, like, and doesn't, um, people don't like that. (laughs) And a lot of, (laughs) no way. Yeah. Believe it or not. Um, And a lot of people, usually when I explode, it's around people who don't deserve that explosion and it's directed. The energy is not dispersed appropriately because I haven't dealt with, um, or I haven't, kept my boundaries up or I haven't, um, I haven't stood up for myself. That me too. And you can't, some people, you feel like you can't stand up to them. So then you blow up at somebody else who you can let it out for. Yes. Or I try and stand up for myself, but I'm so mad at myself that I've let it get to this point. Yes. That I become very sharp and almost like, well, you should know this kind of thing. Like, for example, um, like I've been going through some major family, let's just call it like evolution. (laughs) Um, I'm really sick of pretending. I'm sick of um, just sweeping everything under the carpet because it's boiled up too many times and multiple people in my family have had pretty violent explosions and I'm just sick of living like this. Um, so I needed to exclude myself from that family situation. And, you know, when I said we have to work on ourselves first, cause we can't, we can't help anyone else in our family. We can't help our mom. We can't help our dad. We can't help our siblings as much as we want to. Um, that's, that's their work for them, right? And no one can save us. No one can tell us what's what's up. We have to figure that out for our own self. Um, so I had to remove myself from the situation. I found a really great therapist who um, let me unleash on her and let me be as sharp and um, sarcastic and just, you know, all of these things that basically were my dad's traits let me unleash kind of onto her and really kind of almost I had to like bleed that out like I had to let that let it be kind of like never ending um and not hold it in and just really get everything out and then I was able to be like okay this is what's really going on. This is what's how I really feel like beyond the sarcasm, beyond the, the walls, beyond the protective layers of shit that, you know, we've had to put up and put up and put up to protect ourselves. This is what's really going on. Like I'm angry because I've been hurt. <laughs> um, oof. So yeah, being able to, unleash that on someone who it's their job (laughs) to take that on right not unleashing it on um 
people that have hurt you because it's never really going to come across great because you're not there. You don't have the articulation. It's going to be that blame game. It's not, it's not going to be a, a balanced conversation that you want. And then you're going to end up crying. <laughs> you're just going to end <laughs> up crying. And nothing is gonna, yeah, nothing's going to be like processed. And it's almost like a hamster wheel, right? Like you're back you're back to feeling like, shit, I can't stand up for myself. Shit, like, I, ah, oh, like, it's Why do it's I let people treat me this way? Yes. Yeah. It's because you just, you have so much garbage kind of like clogging up what the real issue is. And I feel like my therapist let me like kind of dump that garbage. <laughs> and, and yeah, it's, that's that's kind of what's going on with the anger. That's why I don't really have anymore. I've I've almost said everything I've needed to say. <laughs> like you know, you kind of have to like just exhaust it. Um, or and if you don't have a therapist, like find like friends or someone who is willing to ha- like hold that space, who's not going to take it personally, right? And just know that like. I got some dumping to do. Here we go. Like, buckle up. Um, but yeah, the anger kind of is on, like, pretty good lately. I'm really I, happy to hear that. Thanks. I think it's more, like, acceptance. Like, when you... I don't know. I feel like acceptance and grief, like, grieving are kind of, like, hand in hand almost. Like there's different levels, like, yeah, I don't know how to explain it. It just kind of, it's sad, it's empowering, it's draining, it's, you know, can be frustrating. It's like the whole spectrum of emotions. Yeah, I think that's what I've been fighting through too with my anger. And then you get to acceptance and then it starts getting better, like, Yeah. I'm fighting against all of these situations that make me feel really bad about myself. And like, the only reason this is happening is because I suck and I'm the biggest loser ever. And that then pisses me off. And eventually, like, you just have to just accept like what your role in it is and just what the reality of the situation is yeah and like for me I what's been making me the most mad lately is like career stuff Mm. um and I just I could not handle it like it was making me want to drink it was like making me think these really horrible things about myself that like I hadn't thought at all in sobriety like my my self-worth It just got so much better when I got sober because I started doing the work and I found like mentally I was starting to regress from all of this like anger and out of control feeling. I was starting to like beat the crap out of myself again. And I was like, whoa, yeah, we don't we don't do this like like this is scary. I don't want to go back there. Um, And yeah, and I've had to like work through you know, it's not that we're always like the most innocent person ever. Sometimes we are, but in my case, I'm not. And you have to like, just accept your situation, accept the reality of it. Like for me, 
I really wanted a promotion. I really thought that I had earned it and that I deserved it and it just wasn't coming. And they were promoting Mm. like people that were like 10 years younger than me, that I had more education than them, Mm. much, 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 much more years of experience. And every time it happened, I was getting like really pissed off. Yeah. And I like was I would blame myself like you're stupid everyone thinks you're stupid this is why it's not happening and eventually Mm. like I just had to accept like my personality and like my values and the way that like I work is just not a fit for like what what going up the career ladder in this um, in biotech would look like. Like I just right. had to accept like I'm not a good fit. It doesn't mean that I'm a loser and a yeah. piece of crap. It's just like I'm not a good fit and I'm not willing to change myself to be a good fit. So like I had mm. to work through that and like all of yeah. all of the anger that comes from that. But it's did you so feel hard. like did you feel like was it anger or did it feel kind of like rejection? Both. Okay. Both. Yeah. It felt like, um, it felt like rejection. There were some really mean things that were said to me. Yeah. Um, like I had a man (laughs) who made me cry and he, he told me that I was a pair of hands and that just like ruined me. Yeah. He said, you are a pair of hands, which means you don't have a brain like that's what that means like you are dumb like you don't use your brain like you just do you do stuff that we tell you to do and like when I heard that right (sighs) you're just a little worker bee like you you can't think for yourself and I was like oh my god like I could I couldn't handle it and I was thinking about like all the times I did use my brain and like all the things that weren't valued and, and like, it just set me off so much. And it, it was like little comments like that. And then getting passed over like multiple times, it was, it was too much, too much for my little sober heart to handle. And yeah. And the anger was so intense and it just, it was a bad situation. So, Mm. I mean, I quit. So sometimes you got to just remove yourself from the situation. But yeah. I also just accept that, you know, I'm not like the best fit, you know, and I could I could change myself to be, yeah, you know, more passionate and like more excited about stuff. But I like who I am. Yeah. And I don't want to change. Yeah, exactly. And it's not I mean, that's just it, though. Like acceptance is is accepting reality. And I think in the past, you know, drinking does a good job at like distorting that reality and keeping us in like fantasy and keeping, you know, keeping this hurt away. Keeping victim mode alive because in the, in the past I've had cat. I've had, (laughs) (laughs) how dare you cat? (laughs) I've had comments before that have been hurtful. Nothing like that. Yeah. And I've always like just went nuts on the alcohol and like drink like a crazy person. Yeah. And all that that does is keep like victim mode alive. Like, why is this happening to me? Mm. I'm like, I'm not doing anything wrong here. Like, 
what's what's wrong with me that like nobody likes me like what sure. like it's it's all like it takes the blame off of you it takes all ownership off of you so yeah. you can't do anything to fix your situation you just have to drink at it right and now that i don't drink but that's I see not even si- true like that's not yeah it's not even true like we have we have choices exactly right we have choices in every situation mm-hmm. so you're totally right. It's keeping you, it's keeping you small. It's keeping you in that victim mentality. It's like, this is happening to you. Exactly. And you're powerless. You can't do anything about it. Yeah. Bullshit. Yeah. And when you don't drink, you realize like, no, I I actually can do something about this. And you can see, you know, if you have patterns in your life that are repeating or something, you can see, um, (laughs) You can see like what's behind the pattern. Like, do I have anything that I'm contributing to this? You know, and that's, that's kind of where I went. Like, what am I doing that maybe I'm not being viewed as someone that is like ready for a promotion or whatever. So you can kind of analyze it and then just accept the situation, but it's hard. And when you just drink at things, you only see yourself as a victim and a loser and someone who their life is never going to get better and you have no agency and yep and then you just stay stuck in these awful situations or you just repeat the pattern or you find the next horrible partner to be with who's also mm-hmm. going to treat you like crap or you find the next job that's just as bad as the one before maybe even worse and you keep yep. like putting yourself in these situations where you're the same victim and then right. you drink at it again, and then you never like get free. And then you wonder why this always happens to you. It's like being in childhood. It's being that powerless child, having people, your parents make these decisions for you, having power over you, um, you know, whether it's like using fear, it's being that child. It's being that powerless child with emotionally unavailable parents. It's, it's the same. It's repeating that cycle, repeating that pattern. Ugh, alcohol is like the unemotional available parent. Yeah. And or it turns you, you feel... into the, emo- uh, the unemotional yep. available parent. Yep. And when you feel that way, you get angry. Yeah. yeah. No one likes to feel powerless and out of control. No. It's better to feel angry than feel that way. <laughs> totally. And then you get bitter and you get resentful. And then you create this divide and you wonder you why resentful? I'm lonely. Mm-hmm. That I was, was hard res- for me. I was so resentful. I think... I mean, now, now that you kind of bring it up, that you have the choice and taking responsibility, I think, yeah, whatever, like my dad and, or, and my parents did, I, I, I definitely have some resentment towards that, what happened to me as a child. But as an adult, I chose to keep that. I chose to keep those resentments alive and well. Um, and I think, you know, being able to accept and really hard dose of reality um, of what the situation really was and take ownership for myself that I, I kept that resentment going. 
it was easier. It was easier to be mad at them. It was easier to, to blame them. But yeah, I don't, I don't really have resentment. I mean, it'll come and go. I'm not going to say I don't have it. It's, that's a lie. Um, but it is definitely lighter when you, when you give that up. Damn, there are just so many like layers to sobriety. I mean, not drinking is the first, it's like the baby layer of the onion, right? It's like yeah. the outside crust of the <laughs> onion. It's like the dried up husk of the <laughs> onion. And then you get like the layers just getting, keep getting juicier and juicier and you're getting to that center. Oh, yeah. And you cry more, cry way more. <laughs> But you also feel better. And I think what you said in the beginning that you feel sad for your dad, you can't feel sad for someone that you're like harboring this resentment for like, yeah. And that's what helped me too, is getting to a place where like, I just feel sad for him. I feel sad that his parents didn't give him any tools. Yeah. I feel sad, you know, for whatever happened in his childhood that, you know, created this adult that was my dad and I feel sad that you know he had to like fixate so much on stuff instead of people and like I I feel sad for your dad that he had to play detective with the shit like that's sad you know that's sad and I think when you can feel sad for them you kind of let go of this resentment yeah definitely definitely like, I love that one saying, let go, let God. And I'm not a religious person at all, but that just seems to like, it just rolls off the tongue, feels really good. I'm like, oh, let go, let God, right on. Or let go, let good, if you're not religious. Hmm, that works. <laughs> Jill, thank you so, so much for this chat. Um, I love this, like getting deeper in, in sobriety and just in life. There's so much to learn and there's so many possibilities I feel like we have now. Um, thank you so much for sharing your childhood, your upbringing and where you are today. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. And thanks for asking me. I have to say, hearing Jill's childhood and hearing about her parents, it's almost a little bit eerie how spot on and similar our experiences were. But it's also extremely comforting to hear someone basically speak the same language you do, to know that you are not alone, that you have not gone through these experiences or had these thoughts and feelings. You're not the only one. It is very powerful and extremely empowering. So a huge shout out to Jill for being so open and honest and quite frankly, being very transparent about her childhood and her upbringing. As always, thank you so much for listening. Please make sure to rate, subscribe, and leave your comments about the podcast. If you have a friend, family member who needs to hear something like this, please, sharing is caring. Send them this episode. Head to a sobergirlsguide.com. We got your back. At every stage of your recovery journey, we got your back. From workbooks to 
challenges, to memberships, to group coaching programs. We have your back. Head to a sobergirlsguide.com. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day.